Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. Hey, before we uh, before we kind of hit into the Word, I want to we're finishing off our series on uh, angels don't have wings. I'm not talking about angels today, uh, but things that the Bible doesn't really quite say, and we might think it does. And so we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk about some of that today. But hey, before we do that, why don't you bow your heads with me? We're gonna pray and just ask God to really come and minister through us and to us today, Father. I want to thank you, God, that you are uh, above all others. In fact, you're so far above everything that there's nothing that compares to you. You're just so unique, so holy so different and God is we are humbled today that you who are holy and distinct would choose to be here with us today in accordance with your promise that if two of us three of us would come together you'd be here Lord we're just grateful for that today and we ask Father that you would not be just an unseen unheard guest in this house God, you'd speak to us, you'd minister to our hearts. God, your spirit would do things in our life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Amy. Having this keyboard in the background is fantastic. Yes. It's, uh, it's a great thing. We are, um, <clears throat> conference was pretty cool. And uh, no question about that. We do get to go to conference. This is the first time we've actually had a conference in about four or five years that we've been able to get together. And it is, a, it, it is a big thing to be able to get together. The Bible's all about being together. Uh, there's so much biblical about being together. And, and one of the things that I hope you get out of the fact that it, this isn't just a conference that we had in Toronto for Canada. It's because we're a church that actually cares about Canada. And uh, yes, we are focused on this central part of BC. However, uh, we are still believing that God wants to do something remarkable in Canada. And just before I get into what I want to share today, I, I, there was a um, story that uh, Pastor Sam Picken, it's not Picton, by the way, that has a lot of negative connotations, Picken, Pastor Sam Picken shared uh, an excerpt from a prophecy that was given here in Kelowna yeah. Yeah. in Evangel Church in 1975, just up uh, up the road from us a little bit. And Dr. David Yonke Cho, who uh, since passed away, but uh, was arguably the uh, pastor of the largest church in the world, nearly one million people part of the church in Seoul, Korea, shared a prophecy here that Canada's day was still coming and that God was going to do something again. And we know that Toronto Blessing happened, all that. But he re-prophesied that a number of years later as well, that there would be just a move and that God wanted to do something in Canada. And Canada was uniquely situated in the world so that we would be able to be a a light and a a missionary presence to the world around us. And I I think we need to uh, understand that uh, this isn't just something we're just doing. God, God has something for you today. Uh, God has a bigger purpose for you and a bigger uh, expectation on you uh, than you might even realize. And uh, we only accomplish our destiny, we only accomplish our calling in God together, right? right? 
there is a spirit in the world that uh, encourages us to be individual Lone Ranger heroes. We celebrate individual heroes. But yet the contrary gospel is that we are together, and it's together that we accomplish what God wants to create in his life. So today, when you're here, you're actually stepping into and positioning yourself to fulfill destiny because you're gathering with people. You're gathering with people who believe. You're gathering with people who are moving in, uh, in, in their relationship with God. And it's only in that context that we begin to uh, experience our destiny. Now, I, I want to talk. So we're, we're in the series. We're kind of coming to the end of it. Uh, we've been talking all summer about these things that uh, people say that aren't necessarily biblical. They're not, you know, kind of the real thing. Uh, I think uh, last week or the week before, or actually, Bob, I think you spoke on it. Um, time heals all wounds. It doesn't. Well, it does. It doesn't. It's kind of, there's a little bit there, but it's not really true. Uh, you know, there's other, other things that we talk about, and we think, you know, that, you know, there's a little bit of truth. It's not really true. And so today, here's, here's the thing that we're going to talk about is uh, this whole thing that we say and you've heard it, you shouldn't judge. You shouldn't judge. Don't judge me. Don't, don't, you know, you're, you shouldn't be judging me. That's not, you know, that's not right. Well, that's actually pretty PC. That's pretty politically correct to say don't judge me. However, that's not the entire biblical story, right? It might be a little bit of truth, but that's not the entire biblical story. So we want to, we want to kind of expand on that a little bit. And just, so I've titled my message today, Don't Be So Judgy. Don't be so judgy. Let's be honest. Most of us don't like to hang around people that all they do is tell us what's wrong. Anybody here really glutton for punishment? Come on, help me out here a little bit. You got me up. I was in Kitchener-Waterloo uh, uh, last year, or last year. Wow, it's been a busy week. Uh, last week, we were in Kitchener-Waterloo. It was with C3, a church in Kitchener-Waterloo. And, and to be honest with you, uh, I had to work a little bit to get them interactive, but I feel like I have to start all over here again. So help me out. Make my job easier. I'll preach better if you help me. All right? So we, <laughs> so we, we, we understand that uh, we don't want to hang out in a space where everybody's critical. We don't want to hang out in a space. I, I don't want to hang out with people where they just kind of go through the laundry list of what's wrong with me. I've got those emails. Maybe you have too. And they're not pleasant. I wish I could set up, I wish I could figure out the right rules to set up in my email clients so those kinds of emails automatically went in the trash. Because that would make my life a lot easier. Any of you know what I'm talking about? Uh, maybe there would be a way existentially that we could set up a mental filter, a mental set of rules in our minds so when we get bombarded with that judgment, that negativity, that we're able to just kind of trash it. Or maybe we shouldn't just trash it all. Uh, maybe we need to learn some level of discernment and some level of appreciation that a good friend's observation on our life is helpful rather than automatically viewed as critical. You know, it, it does matter who you hear stuff from, doesn't it? It does matter who you hear stuff from. In, in uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, it says this. It says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Do not judge or you too will be judged. When you judge, what's judging? Judging is saying, I'm drawing a verdict on your actions. I'm deciding 
that your actions are right or wrong. I am concluding that you are behaving in an appropriate or an inappropriate way. That's what judging is. Don't judge because you will get judged too. Now, here's the reality of the act. Most of the time, I don't want people evaluating my actions all the time. Yes. How many of you know that? Yes. However, I would like once in a while for some specific people to evaluate my actions. Because here's the thing. I don't know if you know it, but you are blind to some things you do. Yes. Just like me. I have a blind spot. I have blind spots in my life that mean that I don't see certain ways I behave because they are just so natural. Yeah. A couple of months ago, I was in, uh, I, I was in, uh, I, in Chicago with a group of surprisingly Americans. That was a joke. Help me out here, please. <laughs> And uh, that's weird, right? You know, Americans in Chicago, Chicagoans, maybe they don't call themselves Americans. No, they do. And uh, in, in this crowd, they, one day they said, he said, now tell me, somebody said to me, tell me, what is a Canadian food? Yeah, that was the look I got on my face too. <laughs> what is a Canadian food? Uh, you know, I went, well, maybe pierogies? No, no, that's not, that's, that's not, right? you know, that's not Canadian. We, 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 we stole that. And I can't say poutine because everybody thinks that's Canadian, but that's actually Quebecois. Either Canadian. Which is Canadian. Are you criticizing? Are you judging me? Are you judging? See, here, you know, and, and I, but I'm going through my list and I'm thinking, I can't think of anything that's, you know, in my head. I just can't think of anything because when you're in a culture, you actually don't see the way you behave. Ketchup chips. Ketchup. You're still trying to help me out here. That's good. I asked you to help me out. Ketchup chips. What? Butter tarts. Nanaimo bars. You know, the real, you, you do realize, just, just for the sake, you know, don't get me off track here, but just for the sake, you do realize that most of that stuff, other people have and call it different names. No, no they're wrong. <laughs> no, they're wrong. <laughs> In the moment, I was thinking, I, I'm not really sure how to answer that because what you live in every day, you don't really recognize. You know, we... Uh, we typically, when we go other places, as a Canadian, we, people say, well, you're polite. But actually, when we live in Canada, we don't feel so polite. Right? We don't feel so polite. We just, you know, we just feel like that's how it is. And we go somewhere else, and say, well, that's completely polite. Because we have a blind spot to those things that we naturally do and that we normally do that are default actions. And exactly the same way in our living our lives, we become very blind. It's a blind side to the things that we do that somebody needs to judge, in a good sense. That's why Paul writes, speak the truth in love. There's this requirement that we be in a loving relationship, and in a loving relationship, we give permission for people to, and we'll keep using the word judge. I know, because we hate the term judge. We don't want to use the word judge. But we give permission to make an assessment on some of our behaviors so that we can grow. Yeah. I hate to admit it, but I can't grow if somebody doesn't challenge something in my life. 
because it remains, it stays the same, and I keep doing the same thing over and over again because I haven't recognized or seen that it's not beneficial. And I gotta say one thing about blind spots. Even when somebody tells you it's there, you still won't see it. Sometimes we think that, you know, somebody helps us out and they show us our blind spots, from now on we'll see them. Typically that's not the case. It continues to be a blind spot. No matter how often I drive my car, there is still a portion of my view that I cannot see. I know it's there. I know that when I'm driving, there is a blind spot over my left shoulder before I reach the back of the car. I know there's a blind spot there. It doesn't matter how many times I remind myself there's a blind spot there. No matter how many times I check, the blind spot is still there. And if I start to drive my car and suddenly say, hey, you know what? I've conquered this blind spot. And you kind of look at me and go like, yeah, that's pretty stupid. You can't conquer the blind spot because it's there. Like, it, it doesn't leave. It's still that part of the car. Well, you know, we've got some mechanisms that help us manage it. How many of you got a blind spot? Uh, I don't even know what you call a blind spot indicator on your mirror. Anybody? Blind spot, okay, I know who has new cars here. Blind spot indicator in the mirror. I've got a little camera that goes on when I put on my signal light so that it shows me what's on that side. The problem is that just helps me manage it. It doesn't eliminate the blind spot. And when it comes to judgment, we can understand this thing that, that we have, each of us individually, we have these blind spots and we need other people to help us management because we'll manage it because we'll never get healed of it. Your blind spot is not, not something you get healed of. Your blind spot is a reminder that you need other people. It's a reminder that I need people in loving relationships who I trust and who can speak into my life and can show me those things because otherwise I'm going to keep cutting people off. I'm going to keep turning and causing accidents. I'm going to keep changing lanes when I shouldn't. Are you hearing me? So Jesus says, don't judge or you too will be judged. It's actually, it's a positive thing. If I get into a, if I put myself in the right relationship, there'll be a mutual growing together. There'll be a mutual encouragement of each other. In that case, judgment is beneficial. Now, of course, there's other situations that, um, you know, we really got to say that judgment's not so good. In uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 4, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and they're, they're struggling with kind of their leadership. They're struggling with, um, you know, what, who they should follow. They're struggling, all, you know, and they're putting people down, and they're putting things, you know, out of perspective. And I'm going to just throw something here. It's kind of a situation where they were critiquing and criticizing those who were in charge. We, of course, we'd never do that in Canada. We'd never criticize our government. I mean, leaders. Uh, we just never do that. But here, this is, what, this is what Paul's talking to. He's talking about leaders in church, but he's, he, he continues this theme throughout his writing that he's talking about a broader perspective, those that are in leadership. And he, he says this thing that's really kind of interesting. In Romans 14, verse 4, he says, Who are you to judge somebody else's servant? Hmm. 
to their own master's servants stand or fall, and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. Who are you to judge somebody else's servant? Here's the big sin that comes into our life that we need to watch for is the sin of comparison. Well, if I was in charge, this is what I'd do. Well, you're not in charge, so shut up. I mean, sorry. That was, that was just a little bit too raw. Uh, it's, it's, you know, somebody said this, the, the cheapest seats yell the loudest. Um, you know, <laughs> usually when you're in a position of leadership, you know, I, I, I got to say this, you know, recently our prime minister and his wife announced that they are separating. I, I've heard all sorts of com comments on that. But can I just ask you, whatever your political opinion, that we behave as believers and followers of God, and we pray for that marriage, and we pray for our leaders, and we uh, support them in God, even when we can't necessarily, by conscience, support a decision, we still support them, because we're not in their shoes and I do not know what's going on in their life, and I do not know what God's doing through this, and I will never know what God's doing through this, so therefore I don't have the right to judge someone else's servant because the scripture says fairly clearly that God puts those in authority in authority, which says they're his servants. Are you with me? Is that okay? All right. You may not like it, but it's still okay. Here, So we, we, we can't judge. We shouldn't fall into this sin of comparison. We're judging somebody else's actions. I have no relationship with people. I, you know, I, I, I got to say, I, I do struggle with this when I'm driving. Thankfully, I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to get this turned in my head a little bit. I'm driving along, and you know, yesterday, case in point, yesterday, I, 8 o'clock in the morning or so, I pull out of my driveway onto Gordon Avenue, and just as soon as I get, some guy goes ripping past me in a, you know, was it you? It looks like your car, actually, Julia. Um, it was, now that I think about it, just ripping past me, no signal, and then straddles the double lane for about half a block, and then doesn't even stop at the stoplight, turns around the corner, gets through, the, you know, gets through this uh, uh, traffic circle, and before they're even hardly out of the traffic circle, they're passing the person in front of them, and I think, this is so unsafe. And I want to drive faster to see where this guy's going. Girl, guy, woman, I don't know, generic sense term. But in my head, I'm going, you know, what a whatever. I didn't say that, even in my head. <laughs> but my thought was, here's, I finally got a little sanctified after a few moments, and I thought, actually, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why that person's driving that fast. I, I, they could be doing it for all the wrong reasons. But I remember when my grandfather was dying in the hospital, one of my uncles, rushing to see his dad in the hospital before his dad passed away, got pulled over by the police officer because he was speeding. And he said, and I remember him telling me this, he said, police officer gave him a ticket. And he said, I, I was doing 60 miles an hour before I passed the police officer after he handed me the ticket. I was in a rush to see my dad and that was what I was doing. I'm not trying to justify it. I'm just simply saying, I don't know what was going on. 
And because I don't know what was going on, my judgment isn't make any sense. I don't know. It's somebody else's servant. I think we would save ourselves a lot of grief if we'd only worry about our problems and not somebody else's. <laughs> I'm a... This isn't intended to be a, you know, um, a Pastor Dave confession session. But I'm a, I'm a little... I'm a little OCD at times. And, and I, have a, I have a neighbor who constantly, constantly puts stuff in the hallway and they're not supposed to. The bylaws say you're not supposed to. But they put it out there just to taunt me, I'm sure. And I was talking to a therapist one day. Yeah, I talked to a therapist. And, and, and I said, look, this is really bothering me. It's just stressing me out. How stupid. How, how you're, and, and the therapist says to me, says, why don't you just, when you're going there, why don't you imagine there's just a, a, a piece of plywood between you and you don't see it? Well, suddenly when I don't see it, it doesn't bother me. I suspect that that particular strategy might work good for a lot of us because we get really bothered about what other people do and it keeps us up awake at night because we're judging and comparing when what we should do is say, hey, you know what, that's actually not a lot of my business. I got no control over it. It's not something I should be worrying about. God, you take care of it. See in a comparison. There's another way in which judging kind of gets us into trouble too. In John chapter 7, 23 to 25, Jesus is being criticized. Go figure. I think if anybody knows about being criticized, it's got to be Jesus. And uh, he's responding to those who are criticizing him once again for doing something good, healing, on the Sabbath day. And he says in John chapter 7, verse 23, he says, Now if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? But the next phrase he says is, is just really telling his Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Most of the time, if we look a little deeper, things aren't the way we think they are. Can I, can I just put it into this perspective? I, I think what happens a lot of times when we critique or judge, we probably do it too soon. Even if it's legitimate, it's too soon because we don't know the whole thing. I have to admit there's been way too many times where I just put my foot right into it. Put my foot right in my mouth because I went, oh, that, that, only to discover that, that was not that, that. It was something entirely different. It was something different. And Jesus is admonishing us. He's encouraging us to say, hey, don't just make quick, rash judgments, quick, rash decisions, quick, rash things. Take some time and look into, look more correctly, see what's really going on. It's another area that uh, judgment is talked about in the New Testament. Paul again, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 2 to 3, says, Now it's required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care, I love how Paul says this, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Instead, I do not even judge myself. Now, we know that the Bible tells us that we need to pay attention to our actions, that we should be 
well aware that we should be awake, that we should be conscious of what we're doing and how we're behaving. We're not to, actually the Bible tells us we need to be self-aware people. That's part of the qualification, part of the thing that we do as believers, is we're self-aware, we notice. But here's what Paul's saying in this. He's saying, judge yourself, but don't be too hard on yourself. You ever heard, you heard it said that uh, sometimes I'm my worst critic? Maybe you've even said that to yourself, that you're your worst critic. Can I suggest, offer to you today that maybe if you're going to learn how to go a little easy on other people, we could learn how to go a little easy on ourselves? Shouldn't we show grace when God shows us grace? Shouldn't we show ourselves mercy when God shows us mercy? It'd be beautiful just to be a little bit more godlike in our relationship to ourselves. First Corinthians chapter six, verse two to three says, "Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? And since you're going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things among yourself? Don't you realize that we will judge angels? So you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disputes in your life." Here, Paul uses the term judgment to really remind us that in this group of people filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of wisdom. And when it comes to decisions that need to be made, Paul's saying, hey, why are you running off other places and not recognizing there's a whole lot of wisdom here? There's a whole lot of understanding. There's a whole lot of things. I'm not suggesting that every professional in our life should be a Christian. But I am suggesting today that there are a lot of life decisions that we make that we would make better decisions if we let others involved in our decision-making or our judgments of what to do. If we let other believers into our decision-making, we would probably make better decisions because Paul is suggesting here, says, don't you realize that in this crowd we're going to be in the jury when the angel's destination and destiny is determined? That means there's certain amount of wisdom inherent in our relationship with Jesus. But we have to, again, submit some things to each other. Just on a practical note, here's what I'd say. So anytime you're making a, a big decision in your life, you should probably bring at least one or two other fellow believers into the know, into the decision process before you've decided. I'm not saying that you make bad decisions when you don't. I'm just saying you make better decisions when you do. Right? It's just because there's, a, there's, a, there's, this, there's this whole big amount of wisdom in the body of Christ. We don't always see it, but it's there if we dig for it. Finally, let me say this. This is the last thing I want to say about judgment. Does some of this make sense? Hopefully it helps. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul, Paul talks a lot about judgment, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 12 to 13, Paul's dealing with a really specific situation here. 
In this particular situation, he's, he's talking about somebody who is in a uh, prominent role in the church who is um, blatantly sin sinning. They are involved in behavior that is blatantly uh, a sin. And they are in a prominent role. And he says this, he says, it isn't my responsibility to, to judge outsiders. And maybe I should pause on that one for a sec. Just because we're the church doesn't mean we get to judge the world yet. And probably if we weren't church in general so judgy about the world around us, they might be more willing to listen to the good news we have. Just saying. But Paul goes on and says, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside, but as the scripture says, you must remove that evil person from among you. I, I think this last verse needs a little clarification for us to figure out how to do that practically. First of all, let me say this, that within the church, as a church, we should all have relationships where somebody can say to us, hey, what you're doing is not right. That's a good way to use this. I've talked about that a little bit already. We should all have relationships. Not just some of us, not just the pastor, not just, you know, not just leaders. All of us should have some relationship where somebody can say, and we would welcome them saying, what you're doing is not right. That's the responsibility of the body to the body. The second way, in a practical sense, which I believe this takes place in the church, is that the church, as, and, and we do take this seriously as a church, we set standards of behavior for those who are in prominent positions. Here, here's where this gets really difficult, is because we as a church, we encourage people who don't know Jesus to come to church. Pretty hard to judge their behavior if they don't know Jesus, and we shouldn't. Right? Don't judge the world. The second thing in that is we also realize that there's nobody here that's perfect. I won't ask you to list them, but I know all of you sinned this week. In fact, you might have been sinning during my preaching in judging. Oh, there was Michael. He's sinning in, on preaching. And uh, we know that. So we're not looking at perfection. If we start saying, hey, the church is the place where we just pick out everybody's sin, we're all going to stay home. What Paul's talking about, and this is what I mean, I, I believe this is the, the, the way in this gets practiced in our day and age, in our culture, is this, is that we set standards for those who are leaders and in prominent positions, and we hold them to that. Now, you can serve in our church, and this is at a practical level, you can serve in our church and be doing things that aren't right. I understand that. Some of those things might be visible, and obvious that you're in sin. It doesn't mean I'm not going to talk to you, but it doesn't mean it's not going to disqualify you from serving or attending. However, we're not going to put people up on the platform or in positions of influence if you're actively involved in sin and you know it. You hear me? And in that sense, because I, you know, I think it's important to talk about because sometimes we, you know, days past, church would go, hey, your sin, kick you out. I know of too many pastors, and I know pastors personally who, when their children or daughter got pregnant, they and their daughter got called up in front of the church and disciplined by the church. I don't think that's what Paul's saying here. 
I don't think that's what he means, but he says that we do have standards to which we hold those accountable who will influence others. And I say, that, let, me, let me put this another way, and I want to say this cautiously, but I'm going to finish because we got this really cool thing we're going to do next. If you are in our church and you are actively disobeying God, actively sinning, you will not get kicked out. However, your influence will be limited. Does that make sense? Because we're balancing love and discipline. Acceptance and judgment. Ideally, and this is what Paul's saying, saying when somebody in a leadership position is involved in sin and refuses to repent of it, they get removed from that position. That would be the same here. But that doesn't mean that we're looking for perfection. Does that help anything? Does that, you know, sometimes we get asked those questions, and honestly, I hadn't planned to go there in this, this morning, but it, it just kind of came up. Because we're always trying to balance this line between, hey, we're all here, we're not all behaving. Lots of us misbehave more than others. And yes, I'm talking to you, Michael. And uh, before you put your hand up, Jenny. I'm, I'm no, you know, it's cool to see Mike here today because, I mean, I've known Mike since he's like 10 years old. And uh, it's pretty cool. We continue to walk together, but influence is different. And leadership is different. And we, we manage those differently. Okay? Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.